0: Lesson 9 Laboring in Discipleship I must work the works of Him that sent me, John 9 verse 4. The Lord Jesus Christ was a worker. In this He joined together with the One who sent Him. My Father has been working until now, John 5 verse 17. God is seen as a worker from the opening pages of Scripture, Genesis 2 verses 2-3. Creation was His work. The accomplishment of salvation was a work which the Son finished, John 17 verse 4, 19 30. The labors of believers even now are to be seen as making us workers together with God, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, see a 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. The picture of the Lord in scripture is that of the great worker, not the great bystander. The Lord's people, who are called to walk even as he walked, 1 John 2 verse 6, should follow in his steps. All are called to labor. Since the times of our Lord Jesus there have never been enough laborers to adequately carry on the work of God. It was this problem that caused the Lord to say, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest, Matt 9:37-38. There have been many Christians, but there have been few laborers. Many believers do not know that God has called all of his people to labor. 1, as taught in the New Testament. It is easy to see that the laborers in the New Testament included the twelve apostles, Matt 10, 1-4, the 70, Luke 10 verses 1-2, Barnabas and Saul, Acts 13 verse 2, Timothy, 1 Corinthians 16 10, Romans 16 21, 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 2, Titus, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 23, Epaphroditus, Phil 2:25). However, the list widens beyond this company to a larger group of believers. These would include Mary, Romans 16 verse 6, Trophina and Trephosa, Romans 16 verse 12, Priscilla and Aquila, Romans 16 verse 3, Persis, Romans 16 verse 12, all of Rome. Among those in Philippi were Euodia, Sintish and Clement, Phil for colon 2-3. Add Stephanas, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 17, Gaius, 3 John 1, Philemon, Philemon 1, Justice and Epaphras, Colossians 4 verses 11-12, and no doubt Aristarchus and Mark, Colossians 4 verse 10 Note that women were very active. The Spirit speaks of all believers as workers, Ephesians 4 verses 12 and 16, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, just as they are all servants, all priests, all saints. This includes the single and the married, those with families and those who have none, male and female, old and young. No distinction is made in calling a certain group to the work of the Lord and others not so based on whether they have full or part-time jobs, or have been professionally trained. 2. Yet Neglected Since Apostolic Times One of the great problems of contemporary Christianity is the limited conception of the role of the average believer. With the rise of the clergy-laity distinction among believers, it was thought that the work of the Lord was set apart essentially for a professional class of ministers, bearing titles and being divinely ordained. Supposedly, these were the ones who understood the scriptures and did whatever was to be done. Others were called laymen, common people, doing common or lesser tasks. There is no scriptural basis for this distinction. Among other unfortunate effects, this has resulted in blinding believers to their universal calling to work together with God in a mighty, worldwide endeavor to make Christ known and then spiritually build up those being one to him. All are needed to labor. One as full-time workers. Whether we hold a secular job or work for God full-time, we still serve the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 3 verse24. Jesus Christ served the Father no less during his years as a carpenter than the three and a half years in itinerant ministry. If we are in the will of God, we are all full-timers in this larger sense. Just as there is no biblical distinction between clergy and laity, there is also no distinction between secular and sacred employment although we sometimes use those terms. Whether we give up our jobs to concentrate on the work of the Lord depends on the effectiveness of our current ministry, the demonstrated need for more ministry in our gift areas and the recognition of these needs by the church leadership. The biblical pattern for ministry is seen in the life of the Apostle Paul. As a young man, he learned a trade, tent-making. After conversion, he yielded his occupation to the priorities of the kingdom. Sometimes he is seen working full-time in his trade while pouring all his spare time into the ministry. At other times, it was expedient to set aside his tent-making job and spend all of his time in direct ministry. In the latter case, he was entitled to the financial support of fellow believers, Luke 10 verse 7, Matt 10:10, 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. 2. As Specialists and Generalists It is one thing to declare that Scripture calls for every believer to be a laborer. But what are we supposed to do? Are there not differences in gifts? Yes. The very fact that each believer has a spiritual gift and is called to function in the body by use of that gift reinforces the idea of a working function, 1 Cor 12. In spite of this, at times there seems to be a paralysis of function within the church due to the claim that we do not know what our gift is. Believers are called upon to function in numerous gift areas whether they have that gift or not. We can all give, show mercy, exhort, help and many similar things. However, we should not minimize the particular gifts given us, but use them, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. These develop only as we use them. Spiritual gifts are for the equipping of the saints, Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 12. This is the divine provision for building up the body through the saints themselves. The people are God's building and we are builders together with him. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 9-10 The disciples' goal is to help present every man mature in Christ, Colossians 1 verses 28-29. That is the chief part of our labor for God. 3. As people-persons Supremely, the work of God is bound up with people. It has been said that the life of Jesus could be summed up in one word others. He poured out His earthly life for other people. He continues to intercede now in heaven for us, Hebrews 7 verse 25. He demonstrated a quality that each of us needs. He is a people person, one with a heart for people. This calls us away from isolation to be involved with others for Christ's sake. We are to look after the interests of others, not just our own, Phil 2 Unhappy people are often occupied with themselves. Our circle of involvement should not be confined to family and a few other contacts. 4. Workers in a United Body The passage in Corinthians 15 58 pictures the entire church being involved in the work of the Lord. This high view of our function, like that of being members of the body, moves beyond the usual view of membership. We are all to be workers unto the kingdom of God, Colossians 4 verse 11, and are all to labor in prayer in the advancement of this kingdom, Colossians 4 verse 12. In an exclusive sense, Acts 6 verse 4, all believers are called to devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the Word. But all can be involved in the work of evangelism in the general sense, 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. We are all to be laborers toiling in the work of the gospel, Phil for 3. To each of us has been committed the word of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. There is also practical work, 1 Corinthians 16 verses 15-16, in the area of helps or service. 5. As Pioneers in New Fields It is from the ranks of diligent workers in local churches that the Lord no doubt will thrust out workers into the larger field, Matt 9 38. Barnabas and Saul were separated by the Holy Spirit for missionary ministry elsewhere, Only when they had first proven themselves where they were, Acts 13, verse 2, even endangering their lives for the work of Christ, Acts 15, verses 25 and 26. Mobile workers such as Judas and Silas were sent forth, as well as John Mark, Acts 15, verse 37. Timothy, Titus, Tychicus, Trophimus, Silas, Epaphroditus were also among the many workers moving about the world as God's representatives. They saw a mighty harvest field, to which the Lord Jesus called them. They knew that reapers received wages and gathered fruit unto life eternal, John 4 verses 35-36. What a life vision! Why don't many believers become laborers? In spite of the vital importance and the unbelievable immensity of the tasks facing the church today the workers remain but few, Matt 9 37-38. How can it be, with so many Christians, that so few can be termed laborers? 1. Relying Upon Paid Professional Staff The unbiblical clergy-laity division of labor continues to stifle so-called laypersons, even in Bible-oriented movements. Believers are largely reduced to the role of money-givers and listeners. Gifted members of the body are denied meaningful ministry opportunities, especially in pastoral and preaching areas. The tendency to relegate ministry of a spiritual nature to full time workers remains even in churches who may not appreciate this system. The layperson expects the full time worker to do what he's hired him to do. When asked why they are not engaged in the work and service of the Lord, many reply that they don't feel called or prepared. This is a gross misunderstanding of the call for all believers to serve. Many more would labor if they were given challenge, opportunity, and in house training. Believers should be challenged to consider the Lord's work as their chief occupation and their job income as support. 2. Insufficient Training Most Christian movements provide some specialized training yet they still look to professional schools to do most of this. However, little practical training for meaningful ministry is made available to ordinary church members. The Risen Christ has given His church great gifts in people with God-given capabilities. Evangelists, pastors and teachers are called of God to equip the rest of the saints for meaningful ministry in the body, Ephesians 4 verses 11-13. The usage of the word translated equip is quite instructive. It is used of fishermen mending, repairing, their nets, Matt 421. The nautical term was used for preparing a ship for voyage. As a medical term this word describes the restoration of a disjointed member of the body to its proper function, Galatians 6 one. The potential contribution of many Christians lies dormant, often buried under unresolved problems and ill training. They need repair. Those believers who lack know-how need preparation for the Lord's work. Still others need supervision and help to find their proper place of function in the body. Such training and care has been sadly lacking in most churches. 3. Fear of Signing Up for Life Some believers hesitate to take on a responsibility for fear of committing themselves to serving a life sentence in a certain ministry. Instead of performing a task at which they may possibly fail, they do nothing. Rather than running the risk of involvement in a ministry, of which they may grow weary, they play it safe while remaining idle. Initial involvement ought properly to be for a specific period. 4. Lack of Motivation some believers seem content in the pursuit of secondary life goals. The crying needs of the church fall upon deaf ears. The plight of lost souls doesn't move them. The call of the Lord leaves them cold. Many a Christian is spiritually blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins, 2 Peter 1 verse 9. What can you do to become an effectual laborer? 1. Make yourself available for the service of God. As a young man Isaiah received a prostrating vision of the sovereign Lord of hosts. Isaiah became keenly aware of his profound unworthiness as a spokesman for God, being overwhelmed by the beauty of his holiness. Then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? The prophet responded, Here I am. Send me slash, Isaiah 6 verses 1-8. God delights in the voluntary service of those who feel greatly privileged to serve such a wonderful Lord. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1, 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. God wants to use people who feel overwhelmed with a sense of His greatness. His great mercies should move believers to present themselves for service, Romans 12 1 to 2. 2. Consider where your aptitudes or gifts may lie. Scripture stresses the need for sound judgment when considering our gifts and function within the body of Christ, Romans 12 verse 3. Seek opportunity for service in the area of your supposed gift and get started. It's impossible to steer a ship that's sitting dead in the water. Be open to suggestions or needs which at first seem to intimidate you. 3. Seek training in the specific area of concern. Take the initiative. What ministry and learning opportunities are available? Who has the necessary expertise to train you for this task? On-the-job training is most valuable. Learning by doing under supervision of experienced workers is ideal. How can you improve your labor? 1. Set high standards for yourself. Although unrealistic expectations can discourage the beginner from initiating necessary action, we should never allow ourselves to be satisfied with mediocrity. The Jews offered sacrifices to the Lord which they wouldn't have thought of giving to the governor. Laman's sickly sacrifices are a disgrace to the Lord of glory and dishonor him, my. 1. His work deserves excellence. Evaluate your ministry performance. Set realistic and ambitious goals. Cursed is the one who does the Lord's work negligently. Jeremiah 48 verse 10. 2. Confer with others and review your ministry. We stand or fall before our Lord. His commendation is of primary concern. Also, the constructive criticism and counsel of concerned co-workers can be a real help in our quest to improve our work for the Lord. Individualism and the lack of teachability are the arch-enemies of improvement. The book of Proverbs expresses the beneficial effect of working with others. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another, Proverbs 27 verse 17. Conclusion New believers should be taught that they are called to be spiritual workers in the kingdom of God. There is nothing wrong with attending services, preparing church dinners, singing in the choir, ushering and being committee members in the church. Many professed believers do not even take part to this extent. A careful consideration of the scriptures, however, will indicate that we are called to a life and ministry that far exceeds these familiar activities had the church been doing this and teaching its converts to do this its history might have been far different long ago the believers went forth and proclaimed their message of Christ everywhere and the lord worked with them and confirmed the word with signs following mark 16 verse 20 the early christians even when persecuted went everywhere preaching the word acts 8 verse 4 the tragedy of the church is that it ceased to see that this was its great mission and that every believer should be active in that mission Investing our lives in believers who become fruitful workers is one means of knowing we have not labored in vain. Lesson 9 Laboring in Discipleship 1. Read Matthew 9 verses 36-38. What caused Jesus to be moved with compassion? What great need did He see? What observations did He make regarding laborers? 2. Who has the Lord called to participate in the work of the harvest? Ephesians 4 verses 11-12. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, Acts 8 verse 1, Matt 10 8b. 3. Read 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 to 31. Explain how specialization of function is necessary for effective ministry. 4. In what sense must we be general practitioners in the body as well as specialists? 5. What is our responsibility regarding our spiritual gift? 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. What do you think your spiritual gift is? How are you using it in your local church now? Six. What is God's view on the difference between a full-time Christian worker and a Christian worker who holds down a secular occupation? Cx 18:1-5, 11, 24-26. How would you determine whether to hold a tent-making job or to concentrate all your time in direct ministry? Seven. Often workers are thrust out from a local area to other areas. Who sends out these workers? Acts 13, verse 2. How is this carried out by the church? Acts 15, verses 22 to 25. How had these men proved themselves before they were sent out? Acts 15, verses 25 to 26. 8. If the Lord evaluated your work in the church today, in what way would He speak to you about your activity, in your opinion? Are your activities commensurate with your gift and calling?